Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What I would give back to is the answer to the second question of what can you do, what can I do for you, is this, is create an internal environment that helps me reassimilate in a healthy fashion so that I don't lose my sense of purpose and end up in a place that's very undesirable. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. This is another special Wednesday morning episode brought to you by our sponsors, Jeremy Clevenger Fitness and the Sasquatch Flag Company. Both of these sponsors help me bring these shows to you each and every week, so I encourage you to click on their links below and check them out. I have another great show lined up for you today, but before we get started, I just want to remind you to check out the leadership books I've written on either Amazon or my website, johnsrenny.com. This year, I'm offering a new way to purchase all of my books for a discount. I've bundled the books into what I call the Qualified Leadership Series, and you get all three books for 15% off the individual prices. This offer is only available on my website, so check it out if you're looking to step up your leadership game this year. Also, I want to remind you that Deep Leadership is ranked as a top 100 management podcast in the U.S. and now in the U.K., and I wanted to thank each and every one of you for listening in each week and sharing these episodes with your friends. You have helped this show become a top-performing podcast, so thank you very much. Today, we're going to be talking about hiring military veterans, and my guest is retired United States Air Force Command Chief Master Sergeant Dave Nordell. Military veterans have some of the top skills and experiences that will help accelerate the performance of your organization, but there are some things you need to consider when hiring veterans, and Dave is an expert in this field, and he breaks it down for us in this very informative discussion. Now, if you have veterans working for you or you're thinking about hiring military veterans, you need to listen to this important conversation. So, are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by a returning guest to the show, Dave Nordell. Now, you might remember him from back in episode 141. Dave is a retired United States Air Force Command Chief Master Sergeant with over 30 years of service. He served as a medic all over the world, including a tour in Iraq. He is the author of the best-selling book, Giving Back, Life in Leadership from the Farm to the Combat Zone and Beyond, And I'm excited to talk to him about the idea of why companies need to hire more military veterans as leaders and what those companies need to do to prepare to bring these leaders on board. So, Dave, welcome to the show. Hey, John. Thanks. It's good to be back. It's good to see you again. Absolutely. I really enjoyed our first conversation. And you and I have stayed in connection over over the course of the past year and I'm just happy to 
have you come back on the show. I always say that once you're on the show, you're part of the deep leadership family. So this is just a, this is like a family visit. Well, you've been helpful. And when, when my mind runs down wild rabbit trails, I usually pick up the phone and call you because uh, you, uh, you usually got the perspective to make it sound real. So it's good. No, it's great. I love it. I, I love it. I love it. Um, yeah. So I thought we'd dive into some some areas about, um, especially the the idea of veterans coming into the workforce and uh, and what's happening these days. You and I were talking before the show started. There there are a number of veterans that are transitioning right now. Uh, tell us a little bit about the statistics that you're aware of, and uh, and then let's talk a little bit about. Uh, what that means for employers and also the veterans that are making those transitions. Sure, sure. So, you know, a veteran experience when they're transitioning, and you probably went through it too, is called TAPS. And and you go to an eight-hour course and they tell you how to sit up straight and wear a tie and uh, and switch your resume around to some, you know, different language so civilians can understand it. But every day, the Department of Defense releases 1,300 people then they they make them veterans. Those are retirees. Those are people who served for four years, and they bring their families with them. So a small town of five thousand people every day leaves the Department of Defense, and they go out into our into our nation, and they look for jobs. And so, uh, what do they come with? And uh, you know, we talked about this earlier. What does a veteran look like on their first day out when they when they they get online, they hit the button to, to apply to your to your organization? Um, they've got their resume all fluffed up. And, you know, and what do they look like? Well, if you've been in for two years or 32 years, uh, you've been institutionalized. I mean, there's a there's a there's a whole culture in the DOD that institutionalizes you to a point. So I liken it this way. If you were in prison for 30 years and you got out and I just dropped you in the middle of town, odds are you're probably not going to do well. Right. You probably need some skills. Probably need to know what a cell phone is and, and all the other things that go along with with society. Well, it's really not, you know, for those listening out there that, that aren't veterans and they haven't been around many, it's not that indifferent. The language changes, the routines change. We're very structured. Veterans are very structured. They're uh, they're very centered around the person to the right and the person to the left of them, what we call shipmates and battle buddies and, and wingmen. And they're very uh, formed around uh, community and that cohesion of a team. And they go into civilian organizations and they're riding for the brand, right? We've had our name on our shirts forever. We had United States Navy or United States Air Force and we've had our name on our shirts forever. We all identify and we wear a uniform like a big giant team. And you go into a civilian workforce and usually the first phenomenon that sets you off a little bit is you show up 15 minutes early for a meeting like you're supposed to. And it doesn't start until it's five minutes late. And that's a very natural thing. And it's because people feel they're in an organization, they're coming from another meeting. It's very well understood and it's accepted. To us, it's just a grain of sand in our sock, right? It just starts to drive us crazy. The language is different. Um, the camaraderie may not necessarily be there at a level that, that we fully appreciate. And so that can give you a sense of feeling kind of lonely and you miss out on some things. And, and we don't have to get into too much of it today, but there's a mental health component that goes along with that, especially if you have trauma and, and those type of things. But the, the statistic that's really overwhelming is because of that, because of organizations that uh, they may be veteran friendly and they may appreciate what veterans bring, but they're not veteran ready mm. because there's that gap of this understanding of, of, of what the makeup of the veteran is. And so 43 out of every 100 veterans that are hired tomorrow will leave their job within the first year based on this phenomenon. 
Mm. And that's a turnover rate that's unacceptable to any company. I think, quite frankly, uh, employers probably don't get the advantage of having an exit interview where they talk like I just did. A veteran's not going to talk like that. They're not going to say, you know, I'm depressed and I don't like working there and your meetings start late and and I've lost camaraderie and there's no brotherhood and I don't feel the teamwork. Um, values alignment's a huge thing. You know, if you put your values on the wall, but you don't demonstrate them, you know, we as military people, that's a huge thing, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden you feel disconnected from that. Well, that doesn't have to happen. Uh, if you have a veteran-ready organization, which I guess we can delve into and, and you and I already talked about, if you have a veteran-ready organization, you can have things in place that aren't any indifferent to other people that join your organization. So uh, like I told you, John, if somebody wheels into your office to do a job interview in a wheelchair and they're deaf in their right ear and you're going to hire them, you already have a plan for them. You know what their cubicles are going to look like. You know what the bathroom stalls need to look like. You know what the 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 width of the always need to be. Somebody's going to get appointed to get this person out of the building during a fire. And you're going to have a conversation with the rest of the staff on the challenges of the individual so that you can better accommodate them. But we don't do that for veterans. Yeah, I'm for sure. Yeah, and, you know, ADA tells us that we have to make reasonable accommodations for someone that has some sort of a disability. And, and, and we do that. And, and I would say this, the veterans don't have a disability. They're just coming from a different world. I think that's the big thing. It's, it's, and, and to your point, I, it took me seven years to, to get my rudder in the water and to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up, because I had, uh, I, my dream was to be a submarine officer. And, and, and what do you do when you achieve your lifelong dream at 24 years old, right? Then you're like, okay, now what do I do? And, um, you know, like a lot of people, I went to go work in a big company, but all those things you mentioned, I struggled with. There, I, there was no team anymore. There was no camaraderie. Uh, there was no uh, purpose. Like my, I had a purpose when I was in the military, right? I, I, but I believed in what I was doing. And then we, I think, I think military uh, men and women and veterans, they, they live by a purpose. And then that purpose was gone. It's like, what am I here for? Oh, to make money for some big corporation. So I was missing something. I was missing my North star. I was just really rudderless for a long time. And it was, and, and I think my companies did a pretty good job, but I didn't, I didn't, couldn't figure it out. I mean, it took me a long time to figure it out. That, that purpose word is actually kind of dangerous, John, because if you come with trauma, mm. And you come with uh, um, uh, PTSD, or you come with moral injury. Whole other—that's a whole other podcast. Mm. That's a whole other thing to talk about. But you should make a high assumption as a hiring employer that your veterans are coming with these things, and also some sort of relationship with substance. And so, when you lose that sense of purpose, right, which is your found—that's your foundation. All it makes it makes working with all of these other things tougher. And so, yeah, if you can create an environment, which which I've done some work on and I've set some things up and I'm going to start working here locally or anybody else that uh, is interested, I'm going to start working locally with people to go in and with HR departments and, and, see, and you know, the C-suite, the C-level leaders to say, here's the things, cost-effective things that you can do and correlate that back to turnover. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if you get a veteran comfortable, what they bring is unbelievable. I mean, yeah. as far as as far as their work ethic and their leadership and those kind of things, it's it, it's an asset. It makes your community stronger. It decreases crime. It makes the it makes your you know take a city. It makes the city more attractive to the right kind of businesses and the right kind of higher higher education institutions because that's the type of of uh, of uh, citizen citizenry you have. 
And so there's just so much power in making the veterans' first experience and anything after making their experience uh, transitional. Not new, but transitional. I guess we could talk about transitional leadership because that would be in there. So, yeah, I, I think I think um, I, I like what you're saying. You, you know, you know, one of the things as a you know veteran myself, I've hired a ton of veterans. You know, over the past thirty years, uh, but I sort of feel like I have the inside scoop. Like I know I don't I don't know everything the, these you know sailors or Marines or airmen did in their career. I, I read their resumes. And I'm like, I'm not really sure what that is. An Abrams tank? I, I don't know. Quite, okay, I can, I can picture a tank, but I don't really know what kind of work that is, right? But um, but I think I'm better able to sort of, you know, take this puzzle piece and fit it into my puzzle better than other leaders just because I was a veteran. But I think a lot of, uh, you know, um, you know, company leaders who maybe don't have a military background they're they're lost when they're looking at either the resume or trying to figure out um you know there's a so part of the problem too is there's a lot of uh uh misconceptions about veterans right and so i think you like for example veteran leaders like one of the things i found when i first came out was uh i'd have i'd have hourly people say oh i heard you were in the military you're going to start you know barking orders and i'm like uh, I was in the military, but I didn't bark orders there either. You know, like there's some misconceptions about uh, what we do in the military and what sort of experiences we have. And a lot of that is because of the media or because of, you know, TV shows or what have you. And so I think there's a lot of misconceptions, but um, that's kind of, you know, when you say uh, a veteran ready organization, um, part of that is right. Just for them to, uh, for, for the, the company leaders, HR departments to realize what they're getting when they get a veteran. Is that what you're talking about? Right. Well, that's one. Um, one is to realize, and then one is, how do you create an environment? So there's about 28 that I looked up recently, 28 companies, and they're all name companies, USAA, Clorox, JP Morgan, you know, uh, some of the larger banks, I could keep going on and they have worked into their HR process that when they're bringing it, when they're onboarding a veteran, they say, listen, we have, and they know this, most employers, if you ask them, how many veterans do you have working for them in larger, in larger companies, they can't find it. Mm. They just can't get their hands around it. Mm. You should know that number, down to the number. You should, that should be part of your 10-second elevator speech when you're telling somebody about your company. You should say, we're a veteran-ready company, and we employ mm. 162 veterans. Yeah. Right? From all services. you That's the first thing. That's the very first thing you need to know. The second thing is, is that when you're bringing them on, okay, so sometimes you attract people, right, especially in a competitive environment. You attract people by saying, we have student loan repayment. We have, um, we have, the, we have the most competitive health benefits program going. Uh, we give full dental, whatever it is, right? They say that. Imagine if you're a veteran, you're competing for a job, we want this person to work for you. And they say, hey, every Thursday, we have veteran community time. The vets get to take an hour and and either through video or in a room, right? It's veteran community time. It's just a it's just to get together and to reconnect. And you guys can talk about whatever you want to talk about. And if it's something that that you think is is productive in the company, then brainstorm it and bring it back because you guys are problem solvers and you know how to do that. And you build those things in there. You make a big deal out of Veterans Day. You make a big deal out of Memorial Day in the right way. So you learn how to you learn how to ceremonially go through those kind of things. When you do that, automatically, 
automatically it takes away this ambig ambiguity, this fear and pain that you leave with because you've lost everything. You've lost yeah. your camaraderie and your foundation and all those things. And all you want is something that looks similar to that. And if you can create those environments, I think it's low cost. And then put somebody on your staff that speaks Klingon and, you know, Martian. And they'll put, <laughs> that does that, that can interpret, right? Just yeah. put somebody on your staff that does that. And uh, and boy, it certainly helps in a, in a large way. And I really, I believe in my heart, John, that this is really the key to our mental health issues with our veterans. Yeah. Because this initial transition is where it starts to go wrong. And if, and if employers would learn the stories, you know, when you ask a veteran to tell me your story, they tell you the story. Yeah. It's not some hallowed thing. They, they're not going to get down to the nitty gritty blood and guts kind of things, but they're going to tell you a story. There I was. I grew up on a dairy farm. You know, you heard my thing. I grew up on a dairy farm, wanted to be a plumber, ended up as a medic. There's a story. There's a story. And they'll, and they'll tell you. That builds a level of empathy that, that we're looking for. And I, I just think that this is easy, but we're, I think that we look at it and we think, well, this is, it's either not a problem or it's a really hard problem. And I don't think it's either. I think all the tools are there. You just have to transition it over into a veteran-type environment versus ADA or anything else. Yeah. And one thing that's interesting, because, you know, and I think I, I need to say one thing about it. Like, hiring a, a, a veteran is good, right? It's good, you know, but it's not a charity. In other words, my point is you, you're getting someone with some amazing skills, right, that have has, has get, been given a lot of responsibility as a young person, uh, in in one way, I, I like hiring veterans because they also, uh, in most cases, I, I've I've not found one that hasn't. Uh, they have grit, so they have the ability to persevere when things get tough. And especially as you know, a small business owner like myself, I can't have somebody on my team that's going to quit when things get hard, right? Because things get hard uh, a, a lot, and I want I want somebody that I can stand shoulder to shoulder with that's not going to give up when things get hard. So. My point is, is that, you know, making accommodations for veterans is is only going to uh, increase the, your your performance as an organization. If you can if you can get one of these rock stars on your team, you're going to go far. But you got to learn how to speak to this rock star. You know, I think that's the the point is you're getting a major asset. And if, the, if you said I think you said 43 uh, percent, 43 out of every hundred. Yeah. Yeah, leave within the first year. You're losing out on a rock star, so you better learn how to talk like a rock star because you're gonna, because you're getting such an amazing uh, asset in your your organization. And so, yeah, you've got to figure a few things out. You've got to figure out you know the way they talk. Uh, like you mentioned, the, the they like to uh, have have camaraderie. They like to have sense of purpose. They believe in uh, doing things right and correctly of high levels of integrity. And uh, they don't like when when words and actions are are, 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 are in conflict. So these are basic things that you have, you have to provide. Uh, but you but in, what you get in return is this amazing employee, right? That's going to do do crazy things for, you know, for your company. It is. Um, there you go. I'm, I'll just <laughs> copy that section out of there and just... And just and just lay it in there. The one thing that you edged on, John, and I know you've talked in, in your other stuff and in your writings, it's very prominent, but you keep it subtle so that it's not, um, it doesn't drive a whole bunch of emotion. But this values conflict thing is huge. It is a big deal. Mm. The words on the wall, right? So the Air Force core values are 
or integrity for our service before self and excellence in all you did. Okay, I'll never forget those things. When I went to look for my first job after I retired, and I got on the website of the company that I was going to interview with, I went straight to their values. And I opened it up. And you know what? I wasn't looking at their values. I was looking for those values in their values. Yeah. Right? And if they had two out of three, which integrity and excellence tend to fly to the top in most, they had two out of three, I thought, oh, this is good. What I didn't realize was when I showed up, they were all over the walls, but they weren't all over the boardroom. Yeah, yeah, yes. Because three-dimensionalizing a value is really hard work. Mm. And we're really in tune with that. Yeah, yeah. Again, here's the example for your audience. Two of them, actually. One will make you really laugh. Here's an example. If two soldiers, now I'm an airman, you're a sailor, so we use soldiers. If two <laughs> soldiers meet and one outranks the other one, and the one that outranks the other one says, hey, your button's undone on your uniform. The guy with the button undone doesn't fix his button. He looks at the other guy's buttons. He makes sure that all of his buttons are squared away before <laughs> he ever gives you the right. So true. Right? <laughs> and yeah. so think about that in a civilian organization. Yeah. You know, and 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 so if you're the boss and you're and you're managing a bunch of a bunch of veterans and you go, Hey guys, you know, nobody should be wearing uh, you know, non-steel-toed boots in the work area. And you look over and the guy's got sandals on. That's a non-starter. I mean, you're already looking for your next job. You go to the computer and you open up Indeed and you start working on it. Yeah. Yeah. The next job. yeah. It's that simple. And I, and you know, some people may say, well, then I don't need those people. They're too sensitive or too soft. And it's not that. You got to remember that they're institutionalized. They can they can reform, but you got to give them time and you and you have to be sensitive to those kind of things. And when you see those violations, you need to address it. You know, do feedback. Yeah. I had a guy um that I'm actually working through with. He's my he's my beta test. And uh he told me, he said, I said, this can't be that different. And he's a good leader. This guy's a high potential good leader. So it can't be that different. He said, um, to all my Marine friends out there, I apologize. I stuck up for you well here, though. He goes, he goes, I can't hire Marines. And I said, why? And he goes, they're lazy. And and I started laughing, and I said, I said, you're going to make my point for me. I said, Marines are not lazy. I said, Marines are the most highly trained people to do things that are most the most counterintuitive to human nature, like running towards bullets. And I said, if you tell a squad or a platoon of Marines to take a city block, they're going to say, okay, don't mess with me. I'm going to go take the city block. And when it's done, they're going to come back and say, I took the block. But they're also going to take the rucksack off and they're going to sit down until you tell them which block to take next. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> now, now think of the value of that conversation that you and I just had for a CEO that knows nothing about hiring veterans and is losing, you know, 43 out of every 100. Yeah. That's a game changer. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them. Best-selling leadership author John S. Rennie knows this. That's why he's written a new book called You Have the Watch. It's a guided journal for leaders designed to take you through an entire year of leadership training. By the end of the year, you will master 50 of the most important leadership skills. If you want to have a greater impact on the results and people in your organization, go to youhavethewatch.com and pick up your copy today. 
This episode is brought to you by Jeremy Clevenger Fitness. As a high-performing leader, you know that leadership isn't about telling people what to do. It's about leading by example. And for most people, the one area that they're lacking when it comes to leading by example is their health and fitness. By improving your health and fitness, every other area of your life improves. But how do you get and stay fit as a busy leader? Well, you do what you've always done. You hire the best person for the job. Don't struggle on your own. Put Jeremy Clevenger on your team. Jeremy will work with you to take your physique, mindset, nutritional habits, and more to the next level with his step-by-step, all-inclusive coaching program. Now, I've worked with Jeremy for the past year, and I'm in the best shape of my life. If you want to step up your game, reach out to Jeremy at apexperformancesystems.com to find out more and get your initial consultation scheduled with him today. This episode is brought to you by the Sasquatch Flag Company. The Sasquatch Flag Company is a family-owned business in New England that builds hand-carved American flags from seasoned white pine. Each flag is hand-built and each star on the flag is hand-hammered and chiseled. No two flags are alike. They offer a variety of flag designs to honor the police, military, firefighters, dispatchers, and search and rescue personnel, to name a few. These stunning handmade flags look great in an office, a studio, the back porch, or above the fireplace mantle. They make the perfect gift for the veteran, first responder, or patriot in your life. Now, I love these flags, and I've been giving them as gifts for years, and I was a customer long before they became a sponsor of the show. I can't recommend them enough, so if you're looking for that perfect, uniquely American make gift to give away or if you want to treat yourself go to sasquatchflags.com and get your order in today i I was thinking as you were talking as far as like the transition goes um one of the things that i struggled with personally was you know in the navy there was always a qualification process so there was a process by which you knew how to get qualified on a watch station to earn your submarine dolphins which was your you know your submarine warfare pin which meant that you were a fully uh, fully qualified submarine officer. So there was a process. You had to go seek out uh, experienced uh, sailors and officers, and you had to prove that you had the you know the knowledge of that system or that process or that procedure. But there was very much um, you know you know when you show up to a submarine, they hand you a call card. And they said, "All right." And they call you a nub. You're a non-useful body until you get those signatures, right? And so you you know your job is to get qualified, right? <laughs> so, but when you get to the, I remember getting to corporate America, and they put me in this back cubicle with a light that wasn't quite working right, and a, and a stapler. And then they told me my computer would be here in three weeks, but they had some problems with their computer supplier. And so I just sat there in the corner with a blinking light and a stapler for like several days. Like, what am I doing here? I mean, like, I didn't know, like, it was really bizarre. And, um, and I, and I can imagine so many veterans have gone through that experience where they show up to their first duty station and it's like, here's your qual card. This is what you need to do. You got to go see this guy. You got to go do this. You got to wear this uniform. All right, got it. You get to the civilian world. It's like, you know, good luck. (laughs) So really, I felt lost for sure. And then what do you do? You wander around from cubicle to cubicle. Yeah. Saying hi to people, trying to build your community. That's exactly what I did. <laughs> and it's so funny. And, 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 then, and then what? And then what do people do? They stiff arm you because they have their computer and they're working and they don't have time for the new guy. Yeah. And in a week, you're like, this place stinks. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, it's about you know, it's 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 a really interesting phenomenon. And quite frankly, with all of the issues that our that our veterans have um, on a variety of um, scale. This sense of purpose thing is really foundational for them having a healthy transition. 
um, because they, they're going to have to do other things. They're going to have to work on their mental health. They're going to have to work on their physical health. They're going to have to learn to live someplace longer than three years. You know, I lived, I grew up, I grew up at home. I lived there till I was 19. Now I've been in Montana nine years. So Montana is in second place of the places that I've lived the longest in my entire life. Cause I did 15 assignments in 30 years. Yeah. You're moving all of the time. But I never had this assimilation problem. When I went from England to Japan, I didn't have an assimilation problem. One is I knew somebody because I'd been in long enough that eventually we reconnected from other places. I knew somebody. And the other thing is they're all my brothers and sisters. Mm. And they spoke the language. And I know, by the way, they had a thing called an in-processing checklist, mm. which is what you're talking about. And you yeah. went through one by one by one by one by one. Yeah. Versus here's your desk, sit here, I'll be right back. And three weeks later, you see somebody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, if, I, if I'm speaking to any of, the, any of the veterans that are listening in that may be struggling with that transition, I would say that one of the things that I learned through the process was I figured out how to get qualified on my own. Like, like I created my own sort of qual card um, and I said, all right, well, how did I learn when I was in the military? Well, I went to the more senior people and I observed them. I talked to them. I listened to them. I, I, I said, take me, you know, and take me to the shop floor when you go, uh, tell me, I, I would sit behind, uh, uh, engineers and watch them do AutoCAD drawings. I'm like, okay, that's what we do. Okay. And we file them in this area. So I basically tried to learn how to get qualified on my own and, uh, and, and, and sort of mimic, if you will, the process that we had in the military, sort of just invented it on my own. And it, as it turned out, that it actually worked really well. I mean, I went from being an associate design engineer in a cubicle. Five years later, I was running my first manufacturing plant. So that doesn't happen very often in careers. And I'm not saying I'm anybody special, but what I did was I said, what did I learn in the military about how to get qualified? And I just said, okay, I'm going to do that here. I'm gonna, and there is no qual card, but I kind of made up my own and said, how can I be a non-useful body in this company? And uh, and that's what I did. And, and so veterans who are listening in, you're, you might be struggling with that transition. You might be struggling to find your true north. Uh, get qualified. Don't, don't be a useful body. And you can figure out how to do that. Start learning to speak this new language and, 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 you know, tackle things and attack things like you, like you did in the military, mimic some of those processes. It certainly worked for me. Uh, and, and it can work for you, but it is a lot harder when you're trying to create things on your own for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, so the other, the, the antithesis to that is, is, for the non-military people out there that are dealing with the military folks, it's really not hard. If you engage with somebody that's a veteran, that's yeah. sitting in a cubicle with a light flashing, if somebody would have popped around the corner and said, John, I know it's your first day. What are you thinking? You would have went, give me something to do right now. Otherwise, you quit. Went in the first week. <laughs> yeah, right? You, you would have, you're right. You would have said... And so there needs to be a, a process for that because you can hire somebody that's a non-veteran and they might be fine with that. They'll be like, man, I'm going to have an easy first week. Yeah. You know, you go home and your spouse says, how was your day at work? And you go, I'm waiting on my computer. Yeah. You know, I ran around and I met people in the office. The veteran goes home and goes, I don't know if I can work here. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No sense of purpose, no sense of duty, no sense of uh, where where I fit into this organization and why, 
you know, I often say that every sailor on a submarine is critical to the mission, right? And uh, we only had 155 of us that we deployed with, and every single person was so important uh, to to making sure that we could do our job safely and then get home, you know, to our families. And uh, I always feel that way about companies. Like every every employee is valuable to the mission. And it's our job as leaders to let people know where they're adding value to the mission. What's my role in this organization to help it meet its goals? And if you, and I really think it's especially important as leaders to communicate that to the veteran. Here's the job you have, and here's how it relates to the mission of this company. Now, and when you do that, veterans go, oh, okay, I see where I fit into this, you know, this equation. And it's really important for them to have that sense of purpose. I wonder, I wonder what it would look like in a board meeting at the C-suite meeting if the CEO looked at the HR director and said, I want you to, th- I want a slide every week of nubs. I want a nub slide. Yes. Right? Yes. I want to know how many non-useful bodies we have. Yeah. And what would the HR director say? Is? They'd say, I don't understand what that is. And when you explained it and you made people think about it, and you would say, you, you, so let's just play it out. I will, I, we will only have, a nub will only be a nub for three days. That's yeah. as long as they're allowed to be a nub. Yeah. And then they have to have some sort of sense of purpose within the organization. Yes, yes. That doesn't even cost money, Joe. It's, it's so basic, so simple. I know on a submarine, as, as a junior officer, you're the nubbiest of nubs. <laughs> you could do one thing. It was called a battery charging lineup officer, and you could get qualified <laughs> within a week to be that role. Uh, and it, it, was, it was the worst job uh, for, for a junior officer, but you could get qualified on it. And I remember I, so when they told me that, someone told me, it's like, you can get qualified as a, as a battery charging lineup officer. I was like, let me do it. Because I wanted to feel like I was adding some value to this massive ship with all this technology and all these people. And I felt like I wanted to contribute in some way. And so they had this process, get qualified as this battery charging lineup officer. And like you said, there should be something like that in uh, in a civilian organization. What can I do right away to contribute? Because I think I think I think veterans want to be, con- you know, they want to contribute to the organization. Sometimes they just don't know how. Right. Well, and it's because it's back to the Marine example. Yeah. Right. They're waiting for orders. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes that's exactly what it is. Yeah. And that's that's the rub. Yeah. Right. That's 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 the rub because some people learn their new job by braille, right? I mean, they just feel like you did. You know, you just start feeling around and doing things. Other people have highly engaged supervisors, but they're hiring you for usually to fill a hole, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if Billy is the guy that works at the front desk in the at the clinic in the hospital, and his job is to do data entry and get people ready for their appointments, you're gonna work really hard on that task. Mm. Right. But odds are when you say, Billy, I think you got it, you're on your own. Billy has no idea what that means. <laughs> right. Right? He he can't he can't take that task and relay it all the way to the operating room for the hip replacement. He can't do that. Yeah. Because you haven't done that for him. The veterans need to know that. Yeah. They need to know and they understand. You know, Marines, I use Marines as examples because it's very basic. There's the stuff they do is very basic and there's brilliance in that. You know, every Marine's a rifled first. Yeah. Even if you're even if you're flying Harriers, you're rifleman first. And they have to learn basic rifleman skills. 
you know, and how to pass ammo to the front. They have to know all that stuff. It doesn't matter what your job is. There's some magic in that in institutions. Mm. That if you have one basic core thing that everybody is responsible for doing, that builds your your camaraderie because it's firewatch is what it is. Everybody's a fireman, right? Yeah. That's the one core thing. Yeah. That's what and we that, did. Yeah. And the Navy was you had to be firefighting. Every, every, every sailor is a firefighter, and we're trained on firefighting. Yeah. And uh and I think that's our common bond. Even this, even today, you know, I <clears throat> I use the analogy. We we were taught to run towards the fire, not away from it, because this fire in a submarine is a deadly thing. And 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 uh and so the idea of run towards problems, not away from it, it's always been my mindset. And it came came from those days of being trained as a firefighter, you know. So. Well, I think it's I think it's really easy, John. I think, you know, first of all, it starts off with veteran awareness. You gotta know how many veterans you have. You have to. That's number one. Number two, it's veteran interaction. You have to you have to interact with the veterans. You have to set up a forum to talk to them, to say, what can we do better? How, you know, think about this question. What should I do as the CEO of this company on Memorial Day? How should I talk and act? What should I do on Veterans Day? Right? I almost got in a fight at a golf course one time. I was a club member. Uh, I was right after I retired. And it's one o'clock in the afternoon on Memorial Day. So I went into the clubhouse and I said, you need to put the flag back to the top of the, the top of the flagpole. And the guy goes, no, it's Memorial Day. And I said, no, you only do it till noon. And he goes, you don't know what you're talking about. And it turned into this thing, right? I thought I was helping him out because you can't get promoted in the United States Air Force without knowing everything about the United States flag. And you have to. And right. the way it hangs, the material it's made out of, what can hang outside at night with lights and in the rain and all that type of stuff. And the guy was just resisting me. Right. And I wanted to strangle him. I was like, this guy doesn't under, I'm going to shake this guy. Well, yeah, no. Yeah. So if you ask questions like, what should we do for Veterans Day? That is an organization that actually cares about you. Yeah. It gives you a sense of purpose, right? To, to be involved in, in, in shaping those kind of things. If you want to put on a XYZ week for some sort of specialty, people don't know how to knock that out of the park. There's ice cream all over the place and pins and balloons and all that type of stuff. Right, right. And they miss it. They miss it on the on the things that are really important to us. So Yeah, yeah. Those are really veteran Memorial Day are very important to veterans. And uh and again, like you said, talk to your veterans. What how how do you how would you like to celebrate? I know uh, you know, we had traditions, every plan I've ever run, we've had Veteran Day traditions that we had every every year. And one of my plants, my first manufacturing plant still carries on the same traditions that we started when I was the plant manager there when I was 32 years old. And they still do it, which is exciting to me to know they carried on that tradition. They found it very important. But, um, but you know, what we, we had a one of the things is we had a, you know, we, we bring in a cake. There was a there was a gift for every veteran. But one of the things we did was we take down the American flag that had been flying on the plant all year long, and then we would raffle it off to one of the veterans. We'd, we'd have the veterans put a new flag up on in the plant. And just and it was one of those things that we, you're honoring the flag, and we had a cake, and the, the youngest and the oldest veterans, you know, cut the sure, kid. Yeah. Just, it was just a lot of little traditions that we had, and they still do it today, which is exciting to know that. Uh, but But it was respecting the veterans, and it was doing some of the things that they were used to having in their you know, in, yes. in when they were in the military. Yeah. And so there's the second word. After yeah. after purpose is respect. Yeah, exactly. I, I use the line that respect that's a that's a that's a huge thing. Yeah. yeah, I just don't 
I, I just really don't think it's it's hard, John. And I, you know, to get into the you know the darker side of things. So I'm in Montana. We're number one in veteran population per capita in the nation. We're number one in veteran suicide per capita in the nation. We're not number one in veteran substance abuse, alcohol and substance abuse in the nation. And we're 44th in research. Mm-hmm. And we don't have veteran ready or uh, employers. And I don't blame any of them. Yeah. It's, there's, we just don't have it. We just don't have a, uh, a, a, a you know, an approach where it's just built into the culture and it's very easy to do. There's people out here like me and you that could go into an organization tomorrow and give them the basic overview of things to do, the extra things that you would do, just like the person I described in a wheelchair. Yep. And, and, and quite frankly, I think that that's the beginning of the end of high-level mental health disorders and self-elimination. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. When you have a purpose and when you have a bond of brothers around you, you, you the likelihood of going toward, towards that I, where I don't have any way out is not there. So these are really essential uh, that 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 we actually lose when we leave the military. We lose that sense of purpose and we lose our camaraderie. And that's like immediate. So so wrap your mind around this. A lot of people say thank you for your service. Mm. Right. And I don't like that. What I would like is tell me your story. Yeah, yeah. And we all will tell the story. But when people thank you for something, a lot of times they back that up with, oh, thank you so much. Is there anything that I can do for you? Yeah, interesting. Yes, yeah. So most most employers and most companies that are non-veterans are very gracious to veterans because they think the hire, and they say, thank you for your service. What I would give back to is, the answer to the section second question of what can you do, what can I do for you, is this, is create an internal environment that helps me reassimilate in a healthy fashion so that I don't lose my sense of purpose and end up in a place that's very undesirable. Damn, that's certainly well said. And that's, that's the highlight of this discussion, just exactly what you said. Very important. Uh, Dave, this has been a great discussion. A lot of good, powerful information here. Um, tell us a little bit about what you're working on these days. Yeah, so you mentioned the book. There's a second edition of the first book that came out. Um, it uh, it's got a uh, it's got an extra chapter in it, and then it's got a chapter that was written in conjunction with my best friend, who uh, she works on uh, uh, rural mental health and suicide in the farmer population. And uh, so the second edition is out, but the precursor to that is to the next book, which is called uh, The Cows Are Lying Down, and it's a book about quitting. Mm. And it's about good quitting, bad quitting, and then quitting when you don't have a choice. And it talks about some of the phenomenons, and it's great. It, I think it'll be a great book for business leaders to pick up because it's just, I think it takes them to places, uh, using farm animals again, but the, it takes them to places that they may not have thought about as to why they lose people in their workforce or as to why they may want to be quitting uh, their their situations, and then how to handle yourself in really austere situations, like even when you have cancer and those type of things, and maybe you don't have a choice. So, uh, yeah, and that's the way we're taking it. And then I told you, and this is a way, way, way early in the thing. I told you we're working on a on a coloring book, a leadership coloring book. And I talked to a guy today that uh, is a veteran friend of mine that has really struggled with trauma, and uh, he paints all the time, and uh, apparently. Uh, 
you know, we're on to something because uh, this painting and this coloring thing is uh, really a form of meditation, forced meditation. People that don't don't meditate on their own, if they can get into coloring and 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 doing those those type of things, it slows you down. It removes you from the electronic world. Uh, it gets you back to the basics, and uh, you can learn you can learn the leadership lessons while you're while you're coloring in the uh, whatever the example is. Most of this is going to be about animals and mythical creature creatures and those kind of things. So, I can see people out there smiling, going, "What is he talking about?" But I think it's going to be pretty pretty fun. Yeah, we knew, and you and I have talked offline about it. So, uh, yeah, when when that's ready, uh, your you know your second book and uh, this leadership coloring book, when that is done, let's let's have you back. Let's talk about it because I think it's uh, I think it's neat. I think it's important that we find different approaches to to get these lessons out there. And uh, so, yeah, my hats off to you for what you're doing uh, to to get the message out, and uh, you know, especially uh, you know for veterans and, and and organizations that are hiring veterans. Uh, but then this idea of like, why are people quitting? <laughs> why are people leaving your organization, whether they're veterans or not? Uh, that's a really important issue because we do have a lot of turnover. And right now, I would say it's probably more a uh, em- employee. Employees have a lot of choices and there's no, um, you know, there's no stigma associated with having multiple jobs throughout your career. So if you can't provide a, a fulfilling job to your workers they're going to go someplace else where they're where they're where they are you know uh, I have a friend of mine who always says uh, uh you know go where you're celebrated not just tolerated and a lot of cases we, we as employees are just tolerated we're not celebrated and I no I, I I love it I love it in fact now I'm going to steal that and I'll give you one to steal back <laughs> when when respect stops being served you have to have the courage to leave the table. Yes. And that and veterans will do that. Yes. Yes, for sure. Yep. Yeah. So that's that's awesome. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm excited to to share the coloring book and uh and um uh you know for for everybody watching, there's a kangaroo piece to this, but John and I will hold that hostage for the next one. <laughs> and we got to give my friend John Brubaker some credit on the kangaroo. He's the one that taught me that lesson. I, I, I love it. You know, a, a good lesson should be propagated and not kept a secret. Knowledge is power only when shared. Yes. So, so your your uh, your um, uh, seed of knowledge passed on to me is about a kangaroo, which is awesome. <laughs> well, it's going to be fun. So, uh, again, uh, Dave, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, the book that uh, we talked about the last podcast in a lot more detail, but I really encourage leaders to, to find it. It's called Giving Back Life and Leadership from the Farm to the Combat Zone and Beyond. And there's going to be a new chapter in the new edition of it. So I highly encourage you to check it out. There'll be a link in the show notes uh, to find it. And I encourage you to take, take a look at it. Dave, how can people reach out to you if they want to connect with you? So maxfabconsulting.com. Is is the way, and and if you watch the if you watch episode one forty one, you'll learn all about Max Fab, and the yes. flag the flag the flag's back here. I see the flag, and I know the story, and 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 I would encourage listeners if you haven't listened to one forty one, go back and listen. You'll know everything about that flag and that story, and you'll understand what Max Fab means. It's a very important message, and uh, yeah, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to that because that is uh, I can't think I can't see you Dave without thinking Max Fab. <laughs> I, you know what? That's but that's what it's all about, right? It, yeah. They made a flag. People love flags, and Max Fab became a flag in a combat zone. So there's some to it. And uh, yeah, a guy told me he goes, "I can't imagine." Maybe it was you, an E9 at any service saying maximum fabulous. And I said, 
well, let me tell you the story. I just gave a speech on Friday, and I, the majority of it, the keynote is around Max Bab. And when I finished, the room, you could hear the air, people audibly, it moved people audibly. Yeah. To, yeah. to hear the to hear the story. So um, you know, it's 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 a team. It's just me as the leader, I put this thing into the team and I just made it you know the the uh the mark to get to was Max Bab. So yeah, it's maxbabconsulting.com. And uh if you hear the story, it's it's uh it's a lot of fun and uh certainly a way to work through adversity. Absolutely. And we're gonna put links in the show notes to uh, all of Dave's resources. Dave, thanks for coming back on the show. Thanks for what you're doing uh, to get the word out about uh, organizations being more veteran ready and uh, and your support of veteran causes. I really do appreciate that. And then all of the work you're doing on the leadership front as well. So my hat's off to you. I'm, I'm honored to have you back on the show. And uh, yeah, let's uh, we'll do it again when the next book comes out. So I'll be excited to have you back. Well, thanks for being there in my time of need at any, at any moment during the week. It's awesome. I appreciate it. <laughs> Anytime. Absolutely. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us, from renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Pack podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Welcome to Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a bit of a different type of show. I'm Sarah B and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. I talk about amazing, relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the City of Angels. My IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. Electric.